Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Beef Up Front podcast here on PickSwap Media. Joined by Joseph Kemetz once again for our weekly show, College Football Games of the Week. Uh, headed into week two now. Can't believe it. We're already in our third week now of, of these uh, previews. Once it once it gets going, it, it goes fast. So uh, buckle up, though. We're here for the whole season. Looking forward to it. But welcome back, Joe, and how are we? Uh, I'm great. You know, an, an amazing weekend of college football that we just watched. You know, this weekend, week two, you know, we have a couple good matchups. But outside of, you know, the big matchups, it's not the best because it is the NFL opening weekend. But it's just, it's great, though. Football is fully back. It's the it's the best time of year. I know I've said this the past two weeks. I'm going to keep saying it. it. It's awesome. And let's, let's just dive right into it. All right. Before we dive right into this week's slate, we'll go over last week's uh, standings just so we can keep up to date on those. So last week I went three and two straight up, three and two against the spread, three and two over under, oh and one on my upset special, and oh and one on my best bet. So that was a nine and eight total week after our week zero kind of disaster where I went four ten and one. Uh, so that moves my total record on the year to six and four straight up, three and six against the spread, four four and one for the total, and then zero oh and two on my upset special, and zero oh and two on my best bet. So if if you've been fading those, you've been winning, but. Uh, 13, 18, and 1 on the year. Definitely an improvement from 4, 10, and 1 week 1. Looking to build on that as we head into week 2. Um, and now your standing for last week, Joe, you were 4 and 1 straight up, 3 and 2 against the spread, 1 and 4 in the over under, 0 and 1 in your upset special, 0 and 1 in your best bet. So that puts you at 8 and 9 straight up on the year, or excuse me, 8 and 9 for last week, 8 and 2 straight up on the year. So you're killing it there. 4 and 6 against the spread. Two six one uh, over under, so you need to pick it up there, Joseph. Zero and two for your uh, upset special, and one and one for your best bet. But what are your thoughts on the uh, the standings to kick off the year? I mean, my upset special was there. East Carolina, oh, yeah. East Carolina had had that game, and my upset special last week, or my best bet was what Purdue plus three and a half. Mm-hmm. Just didn't throw the football the last That's- seven minutes of the game. I mean, that was crazy. But um, I mean, it is what it is. I normally, like, when I'm doing scores, I just kind of guess the score, and then I kind of just do my order under from there. Um, I will say in bets, obviously, they don't count towards our standings, but bets that I had, you know, on the side, I actually did, you know, not that bad over the weekend. But um, I kind of tend to stay away from the over-unders unless I think it's like a surefire thing. Like, I should have talked – I didn't even notice it until after the fact. The UCLA over was like 53 and a half. I, I'm like – feel like that was easy and it went over pretty easily but you know over under is definitely not the best so you know if you're gonna yeah. listen to me about an over under i can tell you who's going to win and i think i'm decent with the spread but over unders i'm kind of it's a complete guess every week all right we'll get into our, our five big games of the week now for week two and then as always we're gonna have our best bet and our upset special first game of the week we got number one alabama traveling to texas uh, to play a 12 o'clock game on Fox, Bama comes in as a whopping 20-point favorite, over under 65.5. Surprised Texas didn't get squeaked into the top 25 to make this game a little bit more enticing. Yeah, I mean, the bottom of the top 25, you know, a team we're going to get – they did it for Tennessee, which we're going to get to in a little bit. Tennessee beat Ball State. They're all of a sudden 24th. Texas looked good against a bad team. I think they actually – if you look at, like, the receiving votes, they technically went down a spot, which makes no sense to me, but – that being said, um, I have Bama winning this game 45-21, to 21, so I have them covering that 20-point spread, and I think I have the over by half a point, 
which scares me. Like I said, don't, you know, if you're listening, don't really listen. I really am feeling confident about it. Um, I'm not overthinking this one, honestly. I'm not going to try to reinvent the wheel. Bama's a better team than Texas. I do think that Texas is going to come out juice, punch them in the mouth. I could see, like, Texas scoring on their first drive, and yeah. all of a sudden, you know, Gus Johnson's screaming random words out in front of you know, screaming across our television sets, and we're all like, oh, crap, we have a game. And then Bama's going to be like, no, we're Alabama, and, you know, kind of, you know, respond. Kind of like the playoff game with Cincinnati. I know Cincinnati only got a field goal on the opening drive, but that opening drive, you know, of course, I'm sitting there like, oh, my God. Cincinnati's keeping up with Bama, then Bama ended up putting them away. I could see that happening here. I could see even being a close game around halftime, I could see Texas having, you know, 14 points. But um, that being said, I guess Bryce Young's too good. Nick Saban's been doing this forever. There's a reason why he's the greatest college football coach of all time. Um, And I will say this, if Quinn Ewers gets off to a slow start like he did last week, Bama's not ULM. He's not going to have time to make up for that slow start. If he starts out slow, they're going to be in trouble fast. I think Sark needs one more year, though, to get the Longhorns in the playoff conversation. But um, I think they're going to have a solid year. I just don't think it's going to start this week. Yeah, I'm all on Bama this week as well. I didn't notice that you had 45-21 because that's the exact score I had as well. So we we both have the same same plays for this one, Bama minus 20 and over 65-and-a-half. Um, I was listening to a show earlier today. I didn't hear the exact quote, but it was something along along the lines of the Utah State coach said, that is the best football team I ever coached against in reference to Alabama last week. Uh, so pretty lofty praise there, but surprise, surprise, here they are again. I thought coming into the year, we talked about this last week a bit, it was Bama and OSU as like the two clear-cut teams, I think. Um, but now it looks like it's Bama and Georgia again after Ohio State's kind of underwhelming performance against Notre Dame. So. Uh, seems that once again, Alabama and Georgia are going to be on a collision course for the best team in college football. Texas able to put up 52 points, like you said, Joe, on UL Monroe. Uh, but Quinn Ewers did struggle a bit, only thrown for 225 yards, and he had an INT. Now he gets to play against a defense full of future NFL players, including Will Anderson, who's going to be a Heisman candidate, as well as the potential number one overall pick. So something that he's surely never seen before. Every good player has their kind of welcome to the show, welcome to the to the big league type moment, and I think that is coming this week for him. I think that the Longhorns have the talent and, and some juice on offense to make some big plays, and maybe, like you said, Joe, go up early, go up 7 nothing. Maybe this game is pretty close first half, like 14-10. I like Texas, I, whatever the first half spread is, I like them to cover that. Uh, but Bama's just going to wear them down and make this game a blowout by the end. So I think Bama covers and, and the over barely hits, but it still hits in, in both of our opinions. So. Uh, roll tied for both of us this weekend. Now we go to an SEC ACC game, uh, a really nice matchup non-conference for both these teams who who have pretty high aspirations coming into this year. Number twenty-four Tennessee at number seventeen Pitt, three thirty on ABC. Tennessee is a six and a half point favorite, which really surprised me. And then over under is sixty-six and a half. But what are your thoughts on this game, Joe? So uh, I have Tennessee winning this game thirty-five to twenty-one. Don't get me wrong. I think 31. Pitt is really, 31. Did I say 21? I'm sorry. 31. Um, 35, 31, Tennessee. So I have Pitt covering that six and a half points. And I think I have the under by half a point. So this is now twice I'm half a point over under. So not a great start there. Um, don't get me wrong. I think Pitt's really good. And if they win this game, I think they're going to need to be legitimately talked about as a playoff dark horse. However, I mean, they're coming off a win against their biggest rival and arguably the most important or at least most watched 
Pitt regular season game in years. To know with Kenny Pickett, you know, they beat Clemson in the regular season, then they go out and lose Miami. Like, they had a lot of big regular season games, but this was something else. This was to kick off the season, uh, you know, renewing the backyard brawl. Um, and honestly, I mean, they kind of – I hate saying this, but they kind of got lucky to win. West Virginia had the ball fourth and one on the 45 – Pitt's 45 and punted. They played soft. They played scared. Even if you don't go for it, you know, like you show your team that you have faith in them to get a yard, Pitt scores. And the very next drive, a perfectly placed ball by JT Daniels gets – right through the hands, pick six. One of the craziest endings I thought was going to be the craziest ending of the weekend until LSU, Florida State. Huh. But um, honestly, yeah, you know, they. I guess uh, emotional hangover is going to be a lot. I think Hendon Hooker is really good. Keaton Slovis is awesome, don't get me wrong. But I think Hendon Hooker is going to have a huge game. And I just think that, um, I mean, it's going to start some Heisman murmurs. I really do. I think Tennessee could be that good this year. Um, but who knows? I could be wrong, and Pitt could win this game by thirty. Yeah. So you're taking Pitt with the six and a half. I'm also taking Pitt with the six and a half, but I'm going to take them to win outright. Uh, go under the total of sixty-six and a half here. So we both got the same play there again. But I'm, I'm just I'm confused by this spread. I think I might be missing something. It could be like a trap line. Um, I know Pitt had some struggles last week, but West Virginia I thought looked pretty good, and I think that they could be a player in the Big Twelve this year, at least to contend towards the top. And Tennessee only played Ball State. And, you know, yes, the SEC does have some different cats down there, some different athletes than the ACC does. But really confused to see six and a half, especially with the um, Pitt being home. That's really surprising to me. Um, I think Pitt showed with Slovis, though, that they're still going to be able to go out and throw the ball around the yard. Uh, their real emphasis this offseason was kind of rushing the football more. And they were only held to 76 rushing yards, which needs to improve going forward. I think the Vols are going to bring that high-powered offense to Pitt with Hennon Hooker making this game a shootout. But I think Pitt not only covers this week, but they do win this one outright. I could see that emotional letdown factor you were talking about, Joe. But Pitt, in my eyes, is going to be a legit team going forward uh, who's going to be a player in the ACC this year. I don't think they're going to back down in Narduzzi's you know, defensive pedigree that he's had for however long he's been there. He's going to be able to slow down this unique offensive attack. It's still going to be pretty high scoring up in the 30s. Uh, but give me a lower scoring game than expected in a Panthers win. So I like Pitt as the outright dog this week, 33-30. Third game of the week, probably the best quarterback battle of the, the early season so far. That's number 20, Kentucky, traveling to number 12, Florida, jumping all the way up to 12 after that big win over Utah. 7 o'clock on ESPN, Florida's a four-and-a-half-point favorite, over under 52-and-a-half. Um, I will say with the last game, you know, Tennessee Pitt, we just talked about in this game, we are going to very quickly see how the SEC East is going to shake out. Because if you have a world where I have Kentucky, by the way, winning this game 28 to 25. Um, if you have a world where Kentucky wins, you know, Florida loses, Tennessee loses the pit, like I'm saying, or, you know, you think um, Pitt's going to win, you could very quickly see like, oh, okay, maybe the SEC East isn't as great as people were hyping it up to be. Um, that being said, though, a lot, like I said with the last game, um, you know, emotionally hungover Florida team, arguably the biggest win of the weekend. You know, obviously, you know, you had Georgia smoking Oregon. You had that crazy Florida State win. But, um, I mean, Florida proved in their first game since losing Dan Mullen in that crazy offseason, you know, no one was expecting Napier to really do anything this year. They beat Utah the team that was getting college football playoff buzz, which I think is still very much alive for the playoff, but that's for another day. Um, 
But we're going to find out really quick if that was a legit win or if it was a fluke. You know, you saw Utah struggling in the humidity. I mean, when they were talking about they thought the Utes were having trouble with the humidity, and then you saw that wide receiver just throw up on camera. Mm. I mean, that was a hilarious moment. But um, I think uh, Anthony Richardson's really good. I think he's deserving some of the Heisman hype. But I do – you know, I can see him winning a lot of games for Florida this year, but I could also see him losing a game or two because he's going to try to do too much. Like that two-point conversion, crazy 360 jumping out of the tackles for the two-point conversion was absurd. I mean, just patently absurd. But, you know, people are already giving the Heisman to him. And uh, I will say, though, if Utah had won the game, my stupid brain would have taken Florida this week because they would have been pissed off coming for revenge. I just think it's tough. You know, you see it a lot of time. I think Florida could end up winning this game. I think the better bet here is Kentucky plus six. But um, that being said, though, um, I have Kentucky win the game by three. I have the overhitting by half a point again. <laughs> I have the total, I think, at 53. It's two and a half. So we're really going to see how good I am this week. <laughs> but um, I, I just can't take Florida. If they win this week, I think Florida will be the jet. I just – I almost need like that one more win to really convince me that they're legit or not. Because one more thing, I'm sorry, I've been rambling on. This is the same Kentucky team that had like a 34, 35 game losing streak to Florida. I think, you know, it might not technically be a rival, but I think Kentucky hates Florida a lot. I don't think Florida feels the same way about Kentucky. I think Kentucky gets amped up for this game, and I think that's going to be one of the reasons why they win this game. Yeah, that Richardson play looked like looked like you back in the day in high school, right? Coyle, if I could do that, let's just say I don't know if I'd be on this podcast right now. <laughs> I'm going to take Florida this week. I'm going to take them 28-21 over Kentucky, so they'll probably lose this week after I had Utah last week. But I'm going to go Florida minus six, under 52.5 for my plays in this one. Was there a more impressive victory than that Georgia uh, win over Oregon? Could it have been? This game, or Florida beating Utah last week, I mean, those were two both really big-time wins. Utah, like you were saying, Joe, came in with that playoff hype. Florida unranked. A lot of people liked Utah to win and cover. I saw that around as, like, some people's best bets. And Florida made some big plays on the stretch to bump them all the way up to number 12 in the country. I think that was kind of the thing with Dan Mullen and why the, the main reason he fizzled out. I feel like they lost a lot of close games and kind of fell apart down the stretch. We saw the complete opposite here. And being able to get my first extended look at an Anthony Richardson, I'm all in on him. He might be my Justin Herbert version of, of, of the college player, how much I love Justin Herbert at the NFL level. Anthony Richardson might be that guy. This is a, a much-watched TV for me. I think this kid has all the tools to carry this team to SEC contention this year. Will Levis, the quarterback in Kentucky, is going a bit under the radar now. I guess all the hype is on around Richardson coming into this game. But he put some good numbers in week one in his own right, going for 300 yards and three touchdowns. He's a first-round quarterback prospect as well. So watching these two kind of duel it out should be a fun watch. I think Florida is really going to be able to use last week as like a springboard game, not just for this season, but just for the trajectory of the program going forward. It's kind of what you touched on last week. If they were able to beat Utah, Joe, you were really talking about how they could use that as a nice building block going forward for that program. No better way, I think, to start off your uh, – your campaign, if you're Billy Napier, your career at Florida by going 2-0 and with two ranked wins at home, um, everyone's really going to be backing you after that. So I think there's a big game for Florida. Use that momentum, carry it forward, uh, and they're able to go out there and get a 28-21 win this week. So Florida minus six and under 52.5 is my play. Fourth game of the week, we head out west to the 
Pac-12, number 10 USC at Stanford, 7.30 kickoff on ABC. USC is a nine-point favorite over under 67. Uh, I have USC winning this game 41-17, to 17, so I'm taking USC minus the nine. Um, I believe I'm under 67 and not by a point or a half a point, so that's good. Um, I think so though, like I said with the Texas game, you're going to notice a theme this week. I've been kind of repeating my same points. There's no need to reinvent the wheel here. Stanford hasn't been good in a while, like in a while. David Chung has talked about like he's an elite coach in college football. I just don't think he is. I mean, I think he's he's good, but he hasn't done anything at Stanford in since McCaffrey was there. It's already like six, seven years ago, which is just breaks my brain. But um, a USC just has the weapons here. I think they're going to smoke Stanford. Honestly, not a lot of uh, smart analysis here. This is kind of just me going with my gut. Um, I think they're going to smoke Stanford. I don't know if they're going to have all the juice to win the conference this year because they still have to go to Utah, which, like I said, is a huge um, game for Utah to prove that they still belong in the playoff race. And in terms of USC maybe sneaking into a playoff, they still have to play Notre Dame at home. I know I'm a Notre Dame fan. I'm a little biased, but Notre Dame you know, held Ohio State to 21 points. Like The defense is good. The offense worries me, but that's once again a story for a different day. Um, just that being said, I think Caleb Williams is going to have a really good year again, like he did last year. They obliterated Rice, which I mean, you and I could figure out Rice, but still, um, I just think they're going to blow out Stanford. That's no disrespect to Stanford. It's just what they've been lately. They've just been like your middle of the road, make a bowl game every year, and that's it. I'd love to actually see us out on the field trying to figure out Rice. That would be All pick swap media take on a. Uh, on the rice owls i mean i'd be as long as we get to host them if we get to host them i think we got a shot you can make the rosters up in ncaa football and sim it up i absolutely coil you just give me a project for tomorrow night so thank you (laughs) all right i'm taking usc in this one to win as well joe but i got them 38 28 i have them covering that nine point spread under 67 as well so we're we have a lot of similar picks with with the spread and the over-unders this week but i think it's going to be a closer battle than you this game being like a really, really good battle and finding a way to fight it out till the end, I think would be huge for the Pac-12. After Utah and Oregon both lost last week, both to SEC teams, USC might be the only hope for them to make the playoffs. And if Stanford proves to be a solid team this year and USC is able to like inch out a close win over them, I think that's going to look really nice on the resume come the end of the year. If Stanford finds their way to like eight and four, nine and three, and not like the four and eight or five and seven team that they've kind of been over the past few years. So Tanner McKee is being looked at as a future NFL quarterback as well. He's another guy getting some potential like first or second round buzz for Stanford. And he had a really nice and efficient game, albeit against Colgate where, where they won 41 to 10, but still going out there, 22 of 27, 308 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, still have still had an interception, but still that's a really nice week one to start off the year. It's been a few years since we've seen Stanford relevant college football but i think it's a definitely a better sport when when they're a good team and like relevant because those games out there get get pretty exciting same with usc um the the sport is a lot better when they're good and it looks like lincoln riley's got the the, the uh, trajectory of the program going up that way after a bit of the slow start they, they wound up winning 66 14 last week in the first game uh with him coaching at usc i think there's if there's one advantage in this and the main thing usc has to fix before going to the Big Ten in a few years is they have to get a lot better up front on both the offensive and defensive lines. I think Stanford could hang up, hang with them up front and push them around a little bit. So 
I think that's the reason this game has a chance to be close. But ultimately, I like Caleb Williams to make more plays than McKee down the stretch and win this one pretty comfortably in the end. But I expect a battle for three quarters, but USC winds up covering towards the end. So give me USC 38, Stanford 28. Um, in our last game of the week, this is a game I'm actually looking forward to the most. We'll see how much of it I actually get to watch, but just tuning in and just, you know, stat watching and seeing the box score and stuff the next day. I'm really interested to see what happens in this game. And that's number nine Baylor at number 21 BYU 10, 15 on ESPN BYU, a three point favorite over under 53 and a half. I think this game is going to be an absolute shootout. I have BYU winning this game 48 to 42. I think you should hammer the over of 53 and a half. Um, and then I'm going to take BYU minus three. Um, it's just like a freaky game. Like it's just so cool. Like this is one of like the things that like college football do every once in a while. Like this is just a cool game, and this is a great chance for BYU to show, hey, we're coming to the Big Twelve next year. This is going to be a game played every year. We belong in the Power Five. Like they've kind of been considered a Group of Five team, but they've had a Power Five schedule for years, and I think their schedule proves it this year. Um, I think BYU is a legit playoff dark horse as a G five team just because of the schedule that they have. They have this game against Baylor. They host Arkansas. They play Notre Dame. They um, they have two more big games. I can't think off the top of my head right now. But um, and the they same Oregon goes, and They got Oregon and Boise State as well. Yes, they have those. And it's at Oregon, too. I know Oregon just lost, but still, that's a huge game for BYU. They also play Stanford if, if they're relevant Stanford, this year. Power 5 school. You know, they have a, a lot of, you know, really good games on their schedule, like, they're, you know, I think that's what six power fives, even if that's, you know, the only six games they play against power fives, that's still almost as much as a lot of these other conferences play. But um, that being said, I think the same could go for Baylor, though. Baylor wins this game as technically would be an upset according to this point spread. Baylor all of a sudden, you know, it says a lot about the toughest of their team. It says that they're a legit contender for the playoff this year because they're sitting right now at number nine. I mean, they win this game. You got to think they sneak up maybe, you know, eight or seven, depending on. What else happens? But if you're all this, you know, if you're sitting at nine right now, you are a contender for the playoff because depending on what happens above you, you know, there's a good chance you get in. Um, especially with the way the Big Twelve has it, where you could potentially have a re- like redeem your loss to a conference team in the title game. Um, that being said, though, I just think the home field advantage is going to be too much to uh, overcome for Baylor. Albany at home to a road game against BYU is a steep jump. I know BYU is Mormon, and, you know, I don't know how many of the fans are true Mormons, so I don't know how many of them are going to be drunk, but they're still going to be all amped up and ready to roll. This is a massive spot for BYU. I just think Provo is going to be a war zone. It's going to be awesome to watch, like you said. This would be one of those great games, you know, last year that you and I would be out at the bar and just ignoring everyone else and just watching college football. They would just This is just a great game. I'm looking forward to watching it as well, like you said before. Yeah. I'm right there with you, Joe. I like Baylor, or excuse me, BYU in this one, and I like the over. So I'm taking BYU minus three over 53 and a half. A little more low scoring than you, though. I have BYU winning 34 28. Um, like I like I was saying earlier, this is what I'm looking forward to the most. But we got a, a long day here in Willow Grove setup, so who knows if I'll be actually tuning into this one at the end. But interested to see who comes out on top in this one. I think. This is a real telltale game for, for the, the trajectory of these two team seasons. I, I think both have a legit chance of the playoffs. You kind of stole my talking points. I was really all over having that talk about how BYU. Uh, what? 
I said, sorry, my bad. No, no, I was just – we were thinking alike how I, I think that BYU has a legit chance to make the playoff this year. With If it's those teams that are on the schedule live up to their hype and, like we said, maybe Boise State creeps into the 25, Stanford potentially if they win some games – into the back end of the top 25, BYU is going to be racking up like seven or eight top top 25 wins by season's end. So I think they know that they kind of have that pressure on them every week. Um, and a lot of underdog picks last week had BYU going to South Florida and losing last week, even though they were double digit dogs. I saw a lot of those as like some people's like upset special type things that we have. And then they went out and, and beat USF 50 to 21. I don't think USF will be Great, but still, that's a pretty big buck kicking for a cross-country trip. Um, they were able to go out there and run for 312 yards in week one and lean on that rushing attack. I think that's going to be their bread and butter all season. Baylor only allowed 87 yards on the ground last week, albeit to Albany, kind of like I was saying with Stanford, Colgate. Um, but still, it's going to be something to watch, I think, and what the game might come down to is BYU's rushing attack against the Baylor rush defense. We know Dave Aranda, a really good defensive coach, so – I really like this BYU team. I really like their coach, and I think they know the pressure is kind of on them each and every week. Baylor, I think, knows that, all right, if they lose this game but they win out, they'll find their way most likely into the playoff, if not right there at like that five or six spot in contention. Uh, but Baylor or BYU being at home, I, I really like the edge there. So give me the Cougars at home here with a cover as well. So BYU minus three over 53 and a half. Um, now we'll get into our last two segments of the show, our best bet and our upset special. You want to give us your best bet of the week so far, Joe? Uh, yeah, absolutely. My best bet is uh, UCF minus five and a half. I looked this afternoon, you know, I was just looking at some bets. I saw that they originally when I saw it, it was six and a half. I was going to have it be my best bet last night, but I looked this, uh, this afternoon when I got back from my clinical, I saw they were minus five and a half. I feel like that's an easy bet. They're at home against Louisville who looked, Terrible against Syracuse. Syracuse was a bad football team last year, and they made Syracuse look like an, an ACC contender. Um, you know, that being said, Syracuse's schedule is really bad. They might be five and zero. That's a, for a later show. But um, I just think UCF's a really good team. I mean, they did what a good team is supposed to do against South Carolina State last week. I think they're going to keep that up this week, and they're going to win. You know, especially you're giving me now they can score a touchdown and miss like the extra like. Winning by six compared to winning by seven is a lot more of a difference, in my opinion, in my bad gambling brain. But I'm taking UCF minus five and a half. All right. My best bet of the week, I'm taking the unders of 72 and a half in the Oklahoma versus Kent State game. This isn't Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams going out there. It's Brett Venables and Dylan Gabriel. No disrespect to them, but that's not really the high-powered offensive duo that we've seen come out of. Oklahoma in years past, like with Kyler and Lincoln, Baker Mayfield and Lincoln. I think this Oklahoma team under Venables is going to try and adopt more of that, uh, excuse me, offensive identity or defensive identity and kind of evolve as they go into the SEC. They're going to have to play a more physical style of ball. And I think that really starts up this year. Um, Oklahoma, UTEP last week only had a total of 58 and Kent State, Washington only had a total of 65. So both these went under. It's not like Kent State is, is going to be some super high-flying offense, I think, this year, putting up like 45, 50 points a game. Um, and then when you look at Oklahoma, like I was saying, I think they're going to really start to try and be a more defensive-minded team, run the football more. And 72.5 is a really big number. So I, I like Oklahoma to definitely win and win handily in this game, but I think it's going to be a, a lower scoring affair, maybe around like kind of what uh, the Kent State-Washington game was last week, around like that 45-20 to 20 kind of score. So that would hit the under there. 
Now we'll get into our upset special of the week. Like you said, Joe, you almost had had your game. Uh, what, what's your pick for this week? My upset special this week is Arizona over Mississippi State. Arizona is at home. They're hosting the Bulldogs. You know, the Bulldogs going out to the desert. This is going to be a huge game for Arizona. You can, you know, they've been terrible in years past, but uh, they have a real chance to kind of prove, hey, you know, we're getting back. I'm, they're not not saying they're going to be all the way back, but they're getting back. And Mississippi State, you know, is going to be a good team this year in the SEC, but they're not at the same level as these other SEC West teams. You know, people sometimes, and I'm I do the same thing sometimes. I see SEC versus an out-of-conference opponent, and I immediately think SEC. But I don't think that's the case with this game. And even if Mississippi State were to win, I don't think they're going to blow it out. I think the spread when I looked this afternoon was 11.5 to Mississippi State. So I'm going to definitely take Arizona plus 11.5. And And, uh, I think the Wildcats can win this game outright, though. Yeah, Arizona was a, a pretty big surprise going to San Diego State and winning last week. How good San Diego State's been. The last decade or so in the Mountain West, they've been one of the better, you know, non-Power 5 teams. Um, And Arizona was one of the worst teams in college football last year. Hit the transfer portal really hard this offseason. So I like them going forward to to start building up a nice program there. Um, I could definitely see your upset happen. And my upset, I'm going to take Houston over Texas Tech. Texas Tech is a three-point favorite at home right now. Houston struggled a bit last week, but it's against a UTSA team that has a really good chance of winning Conference USA this year. Um, that was a, a really good in-state kind of battle. That was one of the better week one games. Wasn't able to watch it, but from just kind of following through it through game cast and stats and whatnot, it looked like it was a, a really good battle. Houston came into the year with playoff aspirations to be the next Cincinnati, maybe that group of five team to make the playoff. Um, stumbled a bit out of the gate, but now they play another team in Texas Tech. I think they'll be a little bit more comfortable this week. Texas Tech, first year under a new head coach. I don't think talent-wise they're matched up against Houston right now. I think Houston's got some more some more dogs on their side right now. So I like Houston to go to Texas Tech and, and win this one. Um, Texas Tech being a three-point favorite, so you probably get Houston at like plus 140 on the money line or something. I, I, like, I like the Cougars this week. Um, but that'll do it for NFL – or excuse me, college football show. Been doing so many podcasts this week, getting confused with all the names. But college football show of the week. Um, make sure to follow our picks. We, we had a much better week two, hopefully, or week one. Hopefully week two is a, is a better week as well. But any last-second comments before we head out, Joe? Well, I mean, like you said, you know, we're going to get better as the season goes on. You know, it, it's it's also week two for us. That was a really corny, bad joke. But, um, you know, and we're going to get better as the season goes on. I, you know, like you said, last week was really good. And like you said, I'm getting confused too with, you know, we had a ton of fa- – like we had our fantasy draft this week. You know, we have all this NFL stuff now because it's like NFL opening week. Yeah. This is the week college football kind of gets, you know, swept under the rug because I don't think there's any Thursday night games because of, you know, the NFL opener. But uh, that being said, though, I mean, you know, this is going to be a big uh, prove-it week for the SEC East. I'm really excited and looking forward to those two matchups there. But um, that's all I got. Do you think your Upper Moreland Golden Bears moved to 3-0 this week? Uh, they're, they're a lock. I think uh, Woodland opens up the season against Oxford, I want to say. Uh-huh. That, should, that should be a win. The Braves? Uh, no, Oxford Wolverines, close. Yeah. But I know nothing about the team now because this is like the first time where I don't know a single person on the team. So I no clue. They could be really good, really bad, and no clue. Well, you know what they say. You don't put a 50, uh, a bench press at the 50 yard line. We will talk next week. Yeah.